Hello, and a very warm welcome to this special edition of Africa Brief from IFEX, the global network that promotes and defends freedom of expression and information. My name's Rehana Masters, IFEX Africa's regional editor, and I'm sitting in for our usual host, Nazreen Anjeru, who is away this month. Today, I'm delighted to welcome a very special guest, Jane Chirwa, the Programs Manager at the Media Institute of Southern Africa, Zambia Chapter. She'll be joining us to discuss the recent elections in Zambia and the implications for freedom of expression in both Zambia and the wider region. Welcome, Jane. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to speak to you, Rihanna. So it's really great to have you with us today, Jane. And I know you've been working for what, over two decades on press freedom in Zambia, including the, the recent election. Uh, we really, I have to tell you, we really appreciate you joining us to share your expertise. It's a pleasure to be on the program. So let's start with a little bit of context for our listeners, yeah? In mid-August election, Haikande Hichilema became Zambia's seventh president in a landslide win against incumbent President Edgar Lungu. Uh, we all know that elections in Zambia are hotly contested and this year's election was marred by violence as well as widespread internet shutdowns on election day itself. Jane, we all know that regional and international focus has been on the lead up to election day and the results thereafter. But as we know, that victory came against the backdrop of many challenges. You know, could you give us an insight into the media and political landscape in recent years and in the run-up to August election? Um, thank you very much, Rihanna. So basically, when you first of all want to look at the, the election environment in Zambia, they are uh, actually uh, the Electoral Process Act of 2016 that um, guides in terms of election coverage how the contestants are going to participate um, in the election, the political party, um, the announcement of the results, the time for the campaign periods. So basically, as we were heading towards um, uh, the election date or the campaign period, which kicked, started actually on 12th July, basically it is that period for the different political parties to be able to campaign. So that is basically um, the environment in which we operate. But aside from the laws that uh, dictate um, the environment, the media then are able to operate, and the citizens, of course, there are quite a number of laws that um, are still oppressive, such as um, the penal code, where there's defamation of the president. So you know that the president in Zambia, uh, regardless of the fact that um, he is running for contesting the, the, the position again for presidency, he continues to be the president of the country. And so laws on defamation of the president can be involved. Actually, people that were facing defamation charges uh, in court, um, just as we are running up to the elections, there are about three or, or four prominent persons that we are facing um, those particular charges. Uh, in addition to that, of course, we saw the government quickly enact also the Cyber Crimes and Cyber um, Security um, Act, also of 2021, which many people thought was supposed to gag uh, the the party that is now in power, which is the United Party for National Development, we owned media houses that have um, 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 a widespread um, coverage across the country are controlled by the state. And so 
fewer people from the opposition have access to that and they are not covered. If they are covered, they're covered in a negative light. So because of that, they were forced to be able to embrace the online space. So already you say you see that actually the environment uh, for the political parties through the media was not so conducive. We have legislation in this country that speaks to the issue of uh, media freedom. It's enshrined under Article 21 of the Constitution. But then when it comes to the practice, it's rather different, even though it's provided for. There's then BC, which is the Zambia National Broadcasting Corporation, which is a state-owned broadcaster. And it's very important uh, to state in Zambia that uh, our population over half of it um, has low literacy levels. So they do not un understand English as much as uh, very much. So they face that limitation when they, um, you know, have to read a newspaper which has a national coverage. So they largely depend on broadcast media to be able to access the information. But then you see the state having a tight a grip on that particular media house which has a nationwide coverage. So it was very difficult um, for such state-owned entities to be able to provide the platforms for these different contesting um, political parties. But then the dimensions this year were quite different also because of the COVID-19 um, that we had as well in the country. So it meant that there were no rallies, uh, Rihanna. So if uh, there were no rallies uh, and we could only rely on the online space, then we saw a different dynamic. We saw a lot of Zambians take up internet at the time of uh, conducting the research this year, the Zambia Information and Communications Technology Authority, that is ZICTA in Zambia, was indicating that we actually have um, about 10,000 or so that are accessing mobile broadband in this country. So already you could see that the dynamics then began to change. And so the online campaigns were the major way of reaching to the citizens. And the, we had a very huge youth voter uh, that had registered. So we had a lot of um, youth that uh, were part of uh, the people that were voting this time around. And so also that created so, so Jane, a dynamic. You, yeah. So Jane, you seem to be uh, painting a picture of a very different election. Okay. And that's mm -hmm. the way that many people saw it. So yes. as a Zambian, a woman and freedom of expression advocate, would you agree first that it was different? And if so, tell us why it was so distinctive. Okay, so it was very distinctive in the first place is that uh, we, 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 we saw that uh, the campaigns in terms of the rallies were not there. We also saw that because of COVID-19, there was a limitation on holding of rallies. So the government passed a statutory instrument that required that people should not, there was an agreement actually that the different political parties should not hold rallies. And therefore, they could only use media and conduct um, mobile advertising so they could drive around with their branded cars and, or use public service uh, vehicles and um, announcement vehicles and just pass through the compounds or the different areas, sending out their messages and using the online space. So it was really different in that sense. But also the difference is that we had this young vote that uh, was so different in thinking because before we had people who were using information disorder such as hate speech, you know, uh, condemning a certain tribe and using that, you know, tribal kind of politics as a way of winning the votes. But the younger generation, unfortunately, in Zambia, uh, or fortunately, actually, in Zambia, is that they are not a tribalistic um, uh, approach to doing things because most of them 
they have parents that come from different regions who have different tribes. For the language of tribalism was something that they would not buy anymore. For them, they would vote for someone who is uh, able to, to assist them. But also, you would realize that um, if you would check the pattern across the globe, for countries that have been hit by COVID-19, their economies are shaking, people's employment is, um, you know, uh, they, they lose their jobs, there's less income, businesses are folding up as a result. And so that economic dynamic also had a huge impact on whether the, the, the party that was in power would be elected or not. So there were a lot of uh, issues that were happening and you would see the voters actually really angry. I was speaking to people even before the elections and they'll tell me something like, you know, the prices have gone too high. We don't have jobs. They are not caring for our staple food, which is uh, the milli meal, the maize meal, the shima. They said they don't care about all that. It's going too high and we can't afford. We're just waiting to vote. So this is what was happening. There was that economic factor as well that came as a result of the COVID-19. And for an ordinary person, they couldn't relate that, uh, you know, COVID-19 is having a, an impact equally to other spaces. But also in Zambia, if you check the previous uh, president, such as President Chiluba, who did go for the third term, he thought he was also you know, popular and he wanted to go for the field. Like even the uh, president that has just, the, the former president, Edgar Lungu also, had saved the first term where the, he took over from the president, Michael Sata, who passed away. And he saved for maybe a year and a half. And then after that, he stood in 2016 and won again. But this time he wanted to stand again, claiming that the other one year and a half that he saved wasn't really like, um, you know, his term. And so he didn't save the two terms. But it's like Zambians have always rejected that. So coupled with all these dynamics, you could see democracy at play in the country at the end of the day. But interestingly, the passing of the Cyber Crimes Act was a double-edged sword. A lot of women will be cyber bullied on the space when they want to try, stand for elections and all. But because of the cyber uh, crimes and cyber security act, a lot of people would say, I would have said this about this candidate, but I know that there's a cyber crimes act. So there was a drastic reduction in cyber bullying against women, though there were fewer women adopted this time around in terms of um, standing for MP, uh, you know, parliamentarian uh, seats and all. There were very few, but we saw they continued over. Uh, different sexes at the presidential level. So if the the male is a president, then the, the vice president will be female. So there were these dynamics on the ground that's made our election rather different, coupled with a lack of uh, campaigns and also the youth vote. You know, as you mentioned, um, there were many things that drove uh, people to go and vote, um, you know, and it's, it's about the economy, it's about, uh, you know, uh, very few employment prospects and and many other issues, but okay, let's talk about you know the experience on election day itself. What was the mood like when Zambians went to vote? You were there, you know. Give us a feel of that. Well, it was amazing, Rihanna. If you saw the level of turnout, the level of endurance and the awareness by the citizen that my vote counts. My vote is my voice. My vote is the ability to put someone who will be there to represent my views. I am employing someone. That's what people were saying, you know, and that's a level of awakening that is there. It's, um, you can liken it to the time that Zambia re in 1991 when we reverted back to multi-party politics. They were long queues. It took for some people to vote. They would walk into um, a polling station, 
perhaps say at zero five, and there's certain places they would even be able to vote at 20 hours. People were eating on the queue, they were cooking on the queue, they brought their seats and they didn't care until they voted. Some even voted the next day in the morning around zero four, zero five, the next day after, you know, because they hadn't, they couldn't have a chance to be able to vote on the actual day on the 12th. So they, the, the, actually the voting continued on the 10th of, um, of, 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 of August, you know. So the voter turnout was unlike anything. It is, um, it was massive. In the previous years, we, in the previous uh, two or three elections that we've the voter turnout was really a problem and we continue to talk about it as civil society about voter apathy but what would interest you rihanna to know is that um misa and the uh, civil society organizations were undertaking a lot of voter sensitization programs to do with awakening the voter to know that you know their vote really counts their vote is important and even the manner of reporting for the rep we were helping them, you know, with capacity to be able to report and help to inform the voter in terms of their rights and why they need to vote. And also the UNDP came on very strongly and sponsored over 20 organizations that went across the country and there were programs and um, education. And I think this is the result we see. Now, funny enough, you said uh, what is really different about this election is that uh, much as there were some grave instances, such as including an internet shutdown on the day of announcing the results, that is on the, on, actually on the voting day itself, midday to uh, from about 10 hours in the morning, day the 13th, and a few days thereafter, there was an internet shutdown for the first time in Zambia during, you know, uh, the voting process. So we had um, that particular uh, challenge and people were failing uh, to communicate, but it's a period Unlike any other, it was so interesting to see the voters turn out in huge, huge numbers. Jane, how do you think this election compares with previous elections when it comes to violations against the press? So if you compare the 2021 to the year 2016, um, the degree of violations um, is um, different. And in 2016, there were more violations compared to the year 2021. Of course, some of them were grave, uh, fun, but if you look at 2020, 2016, for instance, um, three media houses were closed. They couldn't broadcast for a period of time because of the election-related kind of you know, actions that the state felt like um, were inimical to the peace of the country. And two journalists were seriously, brutally beaten up, included by party supporters of the then Patriotic Front. So in terms of the numbers, even the numbers were much more and they were more grave. But if you compare to the year 2021, there is a difference in that uh, the numbers dropped slightly. Uh, of course, there were some grave inc inc incidences that took place, but no media house was closed in 2021. There was an action where a journalist was beaten up um northwestern province of zambia and uh, his equipment was broken and then also we had an incident where a radio station was petrol bombed in chiengi district it's a rural district so we saw a bit of that difference uh, in terms of the way the media were operating but that is not to say there were no violations they definitely were there and were 
uh, we saw it fit Mrs. and yep. condemn those actions. Also, it was the first time we're experiencing an internet shutdown in the country during elections, uh, starting from the 12th when on the poll day and uh, getting into the 13th. There was a blackout so, of internet so Jane, starting from yeah, so, so Jane, what would you say was the impact of this internet disruption? So when you talk about the internet uh, disruption, it had uh, quite a big impact on the ability of the population to communicate. We're on information, Rihanna, in Zambia right now, the population, because of the, the ban on campaigns, like physical rallies taking place, not campaigns, but physical rallies taking place because of the COVID-19 situation in the country that had been escalating in terms of figures and deaths, the country banned rallies. So the internet was the way that people were communicating. And uh, so in terms of um, the results and also people knowing what was happening in the different polling stations, they could only communicate that uh, using the internet. So the shutdown of the internet had a great impact on the citizens' ability to communicate with one another in the different parts of the country where, where, where they were in order to get an experience of how they are voting, how they're voting how long are they standing in the queue? It also impacted on their ability to be able to access the results in a timely manner. It also affected the journalist's ability to be able to send information um, you know, to their editors who were stationed at the, at, at the media house. So that disrupted greatly the communication. Um, if you're looking ahead, yeah, um, President-elect mm -hmm. Hichelema has already promised democratic reform and an improved media environment. What do you make of these promises? Um, and what do you think needs to be done to gain and also keep the trust of Zambians? At the time of advocating for the IBA to be enacted, there were about four, five, six stations. But right now we are talking about 140, over 140 radio stations operating across Zambia. So you find that that actually is the one that is increasing access to information, regardless of how restrictive state-owned media will be. So we are looking also towards the same this time around that we have the UPND government. So we are riding on that, and he has made several pronouncements in his uh, victory speech. And now, as he opened parliament today, the Zambian president Hakainde Hichilema also mentioned that they were media to self-regulate to promote freedom of expression. They do believe that the media is a place where they will hear what the citizens are saying and respond to them. So I'm going to, uh, you know, this is the last question before we wrap up, but it's the important one. I know that the Zambian elections were followed very closely by fellow Africans. Why do you think this was the case, Jane? Well, first of all, um, you talk about uh, Zambia being one of the peaceful countries and uh, we have hosted quite a number of refugees. And uh, it would have been something to speak about, to say if Zambia at all went into issues to do with uh, electoral violence and uh, you know, there was just breakdown of the law and people went on rampage because they could not agree with the results or you know, things like that, of course the whole world would have been shocked because that is what Zambia is viewed as, a peaceful nation, an oasis of peace, a place where you will find peace you people are very welcoming, open-minded to, to, to people that are coming from outside of the country, very receptive, very warm people. And so it would have just broken that record that this country had, where, yes, we compete, we have different ideas, but at the core of it all, we know who we are, that we are one people. And, of course, we will just employ people during elections 
they will do their work. If we don't agree with the way they're delivering, we can vote for other people. And that is a message we kept on passing around as we were doing our advocacy to ensure that there was peace in the country. Jane, it's been a very interesting conversation and especially getting it from you firsthand. So very warm thanks to you for taking this time to speak with us today. You've given us a lot of food for thought and listeners can stay in touch with developments in Zambia by following Misa Zambia on Twitter at Misa Zambia. If you've enjoyed our discussion, please share it widely. And don't forget, you can now find us on ispeak.africa, a collective space for advocacy and media freedom hosted by our friends at Namibia Media Trust and Media Institute of Southern Africa. And of course, we also on your favorite audio platforms, including Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Be sure to also follow our Twitter feed on twitter.com slash ifix to stay in touch with the latest free expression developments from Africa and around the world. And finally, you can now send us feedback to africabrief at ifix.org. Thanks to our producers, Iram Partap and Paco Lepe. And thanks to you for listening. See you next month.